and welcome to the podcast of TechEU. I am your host, Andrew Degeler. What if I told you that there is a European technology company whose products and patents are under the hood of most of today's streaming services and video platforms, from TikTok to Netflix and HBO and Disney in all those, uh, all those companies? And even more than that, what if I told you that this same company has recently won an Emmy Award? And finally, what if I told you that this company were Nokia? Well, to be precise, the company in question is called Nokia Technologies, and later in today's episode, I will play you an interview with its head of research, Villevei Komatila, who will explain what this is all about. But before that, as usual, let us take a glimpse at this week's news. First up, Turkey-born ultra-fast grocery delivery startup Getir, which, as I said before already, means bring in Turkish, has reportedly raised 300 million US dollars in fresh funding. The round was initially reported by a local outlet Egiri Shim, I think it's pronounced this way, and then independently confirmed by Business Insider. The company itself, however, neither confirmed nor denied the report, so according to the initial report, though, Getir's valuation in this round reached 2.6 billion US dollars. And according to Insider's report, the round is co-led by the existing investor Tiger Global and a new one, uh, Sequoia Capital from Silicon Valley. That's not entirely unexpected, since Sequoia partner Michael Morris already invested in Getir through his personal investment investment vehicle that's called Crankstart. So we're probably going to learn more about this round in the coming weeks as the company actually announces it like in an official way. But that was not even the only mega round for a hyper-local delivery startup in Europe this week. Gorillas from Berlin, which also promises to deliver groceries and other everyday items in under 10 minutes, has raised 290 million US dollars at a valuation of over 1 billion US dollars. The Series B round is led by CoTU Management, DST Global and Tencent. TechCrunch has learned that this was a 100% equity round, so there was no debt component to it which is also interesting, and the unicorn valuation means that Gorillas is now one of the fastest growing startups in Europe, achieving a billion dollar valuation in less than a year. It's also a clear sign, of course, of the industry of hyper-local quick delivery getting really, really, really hot in Europe. So watch this space, I am sure we're gonna see more exciting stuff coming soon around here. You know what else seems to be hot? That's cryptocurrencies. London-based blockchain.com, and that's one of the world's largest providers of crypto wallet services, has just raised another 300 million US dollars at a valuation of 5.2 billion US dollars. The round was led by DST Global, Lightspeed Venture Partners, and VY Capital. What's really interesting here is that this round of 300 million comes just one month after blockchain.com raised another round of 120 million dollars at a valuation of 3 billion. So it gained almost 100 percent of its valuation within one month. Who said bubble? How dare you? In more modest funding rounds of the week, I liked the one raised by Meetable, and that's a Dutch startup working on lab-grown meat. So Meetable raised a Series A round of 47 million US dollars from life sciences and food investors, including Section 32, DSM Venturing, and more. Meetable has yet to bring its products to the market, and it does not seem like it's gonna happen very soon, but the company claims to be on track to feeding us some cultivated pork in at least the foreseeable future. 
And the last round I wanted to mention uh, was raised by a company called What Three Words, which is a UK-based startup that's created an alternative addressing system you may heard about. Basically dividing the earth into squares of three by three meters and giving each of them a unique identifier that consists of three random words. The interesting thing about this round of about 12 million pounds is that the investor in this round is INGKA Group or Inca Group, I don't know how it's pronounced correctly. So this company is best known as the owner and operator of most of IKEA stores in the world. The deal makes perfect sense, of course, if you think about it. So what three words is a great way to make deliveries much more efficient. For example, it can be used to point to the exact location of a delivery entrance to a building, say. Also, a lot of people in the world don't have actual addresses, or those addresses that they've got, they aren't really fit for the purpose. It does happen in some countries. Also, some of the addresses in what three words, they tend to be extremely funny, I have to say, and mine certainly is, I just checked, so I can tell you two out of three words, those are lobster guru. So this is, this is how I'm going to be known in what three words for sure. Now, in the acquisition land, uh, the European virtual event darling Hopin has just gobbled up two companies, video hosting provider Streamable and video technology company Jam, with two M's. Figures were not disclosed of these acquisitions, so let me just quote the piece of my colleague Dan Taylor to provide some context of the acquired companies. The quote begins, Founded by Armen Petrosyan in 2014, uh, Streamable sees 75,000 new video uploads per day and counts over 5,000 paying customers in more than 100 countries. Petrasan will continue to lead the streamable business unit and contribute to the new product development. Founded in 2019 by Badri Rajasekar, uh, the goal of Jam is to provide users with a lightweight way to collaborate over video. The platform currently counts clients in the fintech, gaming, and education verticals. Rajasekar, who was previously CTO at Talkbox, is slated to play a key role in the development of new features and products at Hopin. The quote ends. Another acquisition deal was closed in the Netherlands, and uh, I will be quoting Dan's coverage here again. Uh, Utrecht-based ERP company Unit 4 has been acquired by private equity firm TA Associates. The exact number of the deal was not provided, with TA Associates commenting a transactional values in excess of 2 billion US dollars. So Partners Group also participated in the buyout from former majority stakeholder Advent International. Unit 4 CEO Mike Etling will stay on with the company and no management team changes are expected, the quote now, let's get to IPO news, just a few stories for you really. Uh, Trustpilot just went public in London as planned, rising 16% on its first day of trading and then settle at the top of its indicative price range at 265 pence per share. So the company ended up raising 473 million pounds in this IPO and its market value is now just over 1 billion pounds. Trustpilot's IPO, of course, was not the biggest in the UK. But Deliveroo's listing might very well be. And the company set a price range for its public listing this week, which would value it at up to 12 billion US dollars, and that would be indeed the largest ever stock market debut in Britain. In the meantime, however, Deliveroo is facing a lot of pressure from investors and riders in regards to how it's treating the latter, that's the couriers. As reported by Bloomberg, hundreds of couriers plan to refuse to make deliveries when the startup begins trading to draw attention to their grievances. Unlike Uber, Deliveroo has not, not yet, uh, been told to give its couriers worker status, but it certainly may happen in the near future. And to that end, the company has already set aside £112 million to cover potential legal damages. 
Investors, however, could pose a bigger problem for Deliveroo. This week, three of the biggest assets managers in the UK said that they won't be participating in the IPO, namely Legal and General Investment Management, Aberdeen Standard Investments, and Aviva Investors said, among other things, that they are concerned that the way Deliveroo treats its riders does not align with socially responsible investing practices. Speaking of the biggest IPOs, we have now already got the biggest public listing of a UK company outside of the UK. And this happened this week. The electric vehicle company Arrival has gone public on Nasdaq by merging uh, into a SPAC and was valued at around 13 billion US dollars. And to wrap up the news overview, here is one of the most important stories of the week, I think. In the UK, the Competition and Markets Authority has effectively blocked the merger of Cedars and Crowdcube, two major equity crowdfunding players. This decision uh, has come as a surprise to, well, to anyone, I guess, uh, except the CMA. It turns out, however, that Cedars had a contingency plan in place all along. Less than 24 hours after the initial announcement by the CMA, Cedars said that it will terminate the merger deal and will not fight the CMA in this regard. In addition to that, Cedars stated that, I quote, we have prepared for this possibility and we are pleased to announce that we have agreed a new funding round for the business, the quote. And uh, you will find the round details on TechU as soon as we get our hands on the details we haven't yet, unfortunately. Now, let's move on through today's agenda. As I said at the beginning, the featured interview I would like to share with you today is a conversation with Vildevej Komatila, Director and Head of Research at Nokia Technologies. Hey, this is Robin Walters from Tech.U, and I'm joined here remotely, of course, as usual, by Vildevej Komatila who is the head of research at Nokia Technologies. I hope I got the name right and the title, did I? You you did. That was excellent. Fantastic. Well, I'm very proud of myself right now. Uh, Vileveko, thank you so much for joining. Can you briefly tell us uh, what your role is uh, within uh, Nokia Technologies? Because I'm sure we don't need to introduce the company per se, although you, yeah. you, you can if you want to. Yeah. Okay. So I'm from Nokia Technologies and Nokia Technologies is the licensing business of Nokia. So both IP and technology licensing. And I'm heading research in, in Nokia Technologies, uh, in particular when it comes to multimedia technologies. Yeah. And the reason that we're having this conversation, because I was actually pitched, like, do you want to, to speak to Ville Veko? And it was, um, you know, he can cover how Nokia leads the standardization of audio and video codecs, which I found yeah. really interesting. But then at the end, it said, uh, you could say that Nokia is kind of behind the scenes for a lot of these video streaming services, you know, Netflix, TikTok, HBO, Disney+, Plus, etc. So I was very intrigued by what that actually means. So if you can sort of uh, lay that out for, for, for me in the audience. Yeah, so we definitely need some key technologies to basically deliver audio and video, for example, to home. So if you think about video streaming services, so which are very popular today, and the key technologies there relate to, for example, how to compress video. So if you think for as an example, uh, 4K video, so the raw data is actually something like six gigabits per second, the speed. And if you think about our kind of home connections, so I think it's personally, I have something like 70 megabits per second a connection. And uh, so there's a quite a big difference. So we need technologies that can efficiently compress video in order to deliver that then over the network to consumers or even then for industry applications. Great. And, and what role has Nokia played over the years in, in developing that conversion technology? 
Yeah, we have very long background, 30 years or so, and uh, and uh, and of course it's being both audio and and video. So on audio side, it's been also about the voice communication. So when we use the mobile phones to to uh, to to discuss with other people, so it's about how to again then converse voice and how to deliver voice and over networks in real time so that we can have the conversation in live and, and then video same thing that it can also be then video conferencing so how then to enable that kind of real-time interaction with others and remote collaboration then over video so these are definitely the kind of key technologies because nokia is about connecting people so linking people together so these are very important technologies and now during this global pandemic, I'm sure we all have realized really the value of, for example, these kind of video conferencing sessions that we have, for example, now. Yeah. Okay. Well, you already alluded to this, but you're basically building on 30 plus years of uh, of multimedia research within Nokia uh, mm-hmm. to have this sort of portfolio of IP. Uh, but how does it work? How does the business model work? Do you license directly to the likes of uh, Disney and Netflix, for example, or how does it work? Yeah, so we do, as I mentioned, so Nokia Technologies is the licensing business or Nokia. And, and of course, it's both uh, IP and, and technologies. And, and yes, we, we do license patents so that uh, we are we have a strong contribution to developing these technologies. And of course, standardization and international Standardization is, of course, very important. We work with other companies there to basically agree on the technical specifications. And uh, so this all, of course, requires a lot of R&D, research and development, coming up with the ideas, and, of course, then also protecting your intellectual property. And then, of course, we want to enable others to to make business and come up with new businesses, and and, and we support them with with IP licenses and, and technology licensing. So you're both an enabler and a protector in a way. Uh, Maybe just to talk about standardization a bit more, you mentioned, of course, you work with other partners. Uh, How big is that group of partners? How does it how does it actually function? Do you have like monthly meetings or quarterly meetings, or do you have like a platform that you use to, to sort of come yeah. up with these definitions? Yeah, there are, are various kind of standard defining organizations that are important in, in this domain. And of course, MBEC, so the Moving Pictures Expert Group, that is now also the brand name. So it's been one of the fundamental organizations to really come up with audio and, and video technologies in particular, in what it comes to entertainment. Uh, then we have some other standardization organizations that then apply, for example, similar technologies to real-time communication. And for example, 3CPP being example of that. Uh, so these two are, I would say, perhaps the most important one. Of course, also then ITUT is very important. So I mentioned already the video codex. So video codec standardization is, is a joint effort between ITUT and uh, and MBEC. Yeah. And is that usually a smooth process? Do you have sometimes bumps in the road? And also maybe how does something like a pandemic where you know the increase in, in use is, is sort of enormous? Does that put pressure on the whole the whole Exactly. System? Yeah. There's been a lot of changes and of course new challenges because of the pandemic. And uh, so now all the standardization meetings are virtual, first of all. And, uh, and some of these meetings are, of course, huge. So several hundreds of participants 
very, very many companies there present, also universities and research institutions, because it's a joint work, really kind of collaboration and, and coming up with a consensus when it comes then to the technical specification. And of course, the great thing there is that this selecting technology, so it really happens based on the technical merits. So whoever then develops the best possible technology, so that technology then will be adopted as a part of the standard. So I think it's really great then to to kind of pursue this research so that uh, that if you develop the best technology, then you have a good chances then to also others to adopt that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but Makes it's sense. it's it's collaboration and it's international collaboration. I think it's very exciting to to really collaborate with all these companies and, and academia and, and research institutions. No, but it does put you in a position where you need to keep investing sort of in research and innovation. Exactly. Um, exactly. How, yeah. mu how much progress is there still to be made when it comes to these conversion technologies and codecs? Yeah, yeah. So if you think about, for example, video coding as an example, so we, uh, the kind of basic requirement when we move to a standard to the next one, is that we should provide 50% more compression gain and still maintaining the same perceptual quality. So only half of the, of the bandwidth is then required with the new standard to achieve the same quality. And if you then think that if you continue with video as the example, so today about 75% of the mobile traffic is video. And if you then think about uh, IP traffic, so more than 80% is video. And if then the video compression is is, in, is able to put that to a half, that traffic. So of course, it really has a big global impact. And that's why, for example, the video codec standardization is so important. Because in the same time, of course, the media experiences, they also evolve and develop. So entertainment industry consumers, they are continuously seeking for more compelling media experiences. So uh, we know that, uh, for example, now we have 4K television and then video streaming. In the future, the resolution will increase to 8K. We will have wall TVs, so very large TVs. And uh, so you get almost like a movie experience at, at home. So there will be more data to, to be transmitted over the networks. And that's why we need this very efficient compression. At the same time, of course, we also have a new emerging media experiences like virtual reality and augmented reality. And of course, these are also challenging our consumption behavior because if you think about watching TV, that's typically pretty passive. But, but now these new emerging experiences also then require interactivity. For example, if you think about virtual reality, you have this rotational freedom to, to turn your head and see the big display around you. Or then if you think about augmented reality and even moving to three-dimensional content, you eventually need to have this kind of full freedom to walk around the content or, or walk into the content in a way. Um, just a really quick question. How big is Nokia technology, uh, technologies, the licensing business uh, within the, the whole Nokia organization? Just to get an idea. It is it is significant. So it's, it's really kind of 
billion euros business. So, so today, uh, so significant also in, in, in Nokia scale. And we are very happy about this business because it's also the business that then enables our licensees to very pursue and develop their own businesses. So we really help them. And I think that's a really great thing. Yeah. And what I like about your role within this company is as well, is it puts you sort of on the forefront of, of all the, the upcoming technologies and, and the way that this is going to evolve in terms of, you know, immersion and infrastructure and, and, and the way new technologies are being adopted around the world. Um, yeah. You penned a blog post, I believe, about, you know, digital meeting, media undergoing this, this evolution. I'll put a link in the show notes so you don't have to uh, summarize the whole thing, but you, you defined five trends in future video usage that I find really interesting. Uh, so if you can maybe maybe elaborate on, on that a little bit. Yeah, so in that uh, blog post, I was, I was talking about the future of, of multimedia and, uh, and kind of identifying kind of five pillars on, on which we, we see significant development to happen over, over the years. And, and one thing is immersion. And it's all about the kind of immersive experiences and delivering this kind of feeling of presence, almost being a part of the movie you are watching. And uh, there are technologies like, for example, ultra high definition and high dynamic range for the more realistic presentation of content in terms of contrast and color, as one example. Uh, of course, I also mentioned virtual reality where the your, your viewport, your view is so large that uh, you, you see the thing that you are in the middle of the, of the content in a way. So immersion is, of course, very important. Uh, and, and quality is, is the image quality, video quality is, is important driver there. Uh, but of course, then if you think about immersion, interactivity is also part of that. So being able to interact with the content. So if you are, in a way, pe becoming part of the media, for example, in virtual reality, then when we move to, to augmented reality, so you also want them to move around and you have that interaction with the content. That's very important. And, and we are developing standards that support this kind of omnidirectional video that is then can be utilized for virtual reality, where you have this rotational freedom, or then even for volumetric video. And now actually the content is three-dimensional. And as our reality is three-dimensional, of course, it's perfect tool for augmented reality. So you can bring 3D to our three-dimensional reality. And it, it makes, for example, the sharing of content and experiences so much easier. So uh, in that way, immersion, interactivity, very important. Cloudification, of course, is very important. So we we love our smartphones, and of course, smartphones are very powerful devices. But still, these new emerging content experiences, virtual reality, augmented reality, the, the, the requirements are very high. And we also need system equipment to support that. So we also need the cloud, and we also need the edge cloud, which is close to us in order to enable these interactive experiences because we need the low latency kind of operations. Of course, then this machine to machine is, is also very, very interesting because when we are watching uh, Netflix in the evening, so uh, of course it's a perceptual experience. It's all about the immersion and that so quality matters. But then if it's about machine to machine communication, so then the objectives, for example, for video compression are different. 
we are not optimizing anymore for the perceptual experience, but we are optimizing the video transmission for machine vision tasks. For example, object recognition or object tracking, something with what we can use in smart city surveillance or autonomous driving or even in, in industrial surveillance. So it's quite different. And then, of course, this intelligence. So the AI coming to so many devices today and, uh, and how also video is, is, is increasingly deployed on, if you think about massive IoT devices. And, and then having these smart cameras that can understand the environment. And for example, we've been developing standards that enable the compression of neural networks so that uh, you can actually then you have a better means, easier means to update the intelligence, for example, when it comes to vehicles. So update their, their artificial intelligence models over the network, over the air. So what is the way to do that for millions of cars, perhaps? So that also requires efficient compression. For sure. Well, it must be quite quite exciting for you to follow all these trends uh, so closely and being able to develop solutions on top of that. Um, but something else exciting happened this month. Uh, you won, you had a pretty good start of the year, I would say, at Nokia Technologies, because you guys won an Emmy. Yes, we, we won the Emmy Award. Yes, that was very happy. Can you, can, can you elaborate on that? Because I think that's... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think this was perhaps our fourth Emmy when it comes to this domain video compression and, and video delivery. And uh, so the previous Emmys have related to video codex in particular. And of course, they are really fundamental technologies to enable, for example, 4K TV today. But this time, the Emmy Award was given to a media carriage format. And I was particularly happy because, of course, video codecs are important, but alone, they are kind of nothing. You need also something else around the codex to enable a solution that can then deliver, for example, video, or you can then stream video to your home. And, uh, and this Emmy uh, was, was about the media carriage format, so how to carry video signal then from the codec, for example, to your home. And uh, so they were, in a way, recognizing this aspect that we need actually pretty holistic, pretty comprehensive solution and multiple standards need to work together and multiple technologies need to work together in order to enable the solution that you can build up, for example, the video uh, streaming service. Yeah, that's quite something. I've never been able to say this, so I'll say it again. Congratulations on your Emmy. I've never thank been you. able to say this thank on the you. show. Yeah, um, thank you. Uh, Maybe, maybe as, a, as a final question or to conclude the interview, uh, what are some of the biggest uh, challenges or frustrations that you have? Because all of that sounds very, very exciting, what you're working on, but what are some of the things that are sort of hindering the progress at the moment? Yeah, so hindering the progress. So we already talked about this COVID pandemic, and I think it's been great that we've been, been able then to continue virtually and having remote meetings with uh, and meetings where you have really hundreds of participants. Still the collaborations being possible. And I'm kind of very happy about that, that people can also use these tools efficiently and collaborate very efficiently. So I'm kind of very pleased with that. So of course that's been one risk that we still have today that there wouldn't be delays to the collaboration work with other companies. 
So uh, I think that that's been very positive development. But what it then comes to the technologies themselves, of course, uh, I mentioned about this volumetric video and, and 3D content. So these are, of course, very futuristic, very exciting kind of uh, use cases and technologies. And of course, in the end, it's not just a straight line from A to B. <laughs> you, the, the road, the road is, is not a straight line. So, and, uh, and then, of course, there are big question marks that, okay, what technologies then eventually will be adopted to the market? And, uh, and hopefully we can really find the right ones with, with our collaborators so that, uh, that we can also bring these, these technologies and these standards to the market so that the companies can then make use of them and, and build up their products based on them. Well, I hope this alongside you. And, uh, and also, like uh, you touched on something quite important. Like I can't even imagine that if we didn't have these, these video conferencing tools available to us to do virtual events and Zoom yeah. calls and meetings, like I, I cannot imagine what last year would have been like, let alone exactly. this year. Exactly. So I'm kind of very happy that, uh, and also people have really learned to use these tools. And I think this is a huge development, actually, that people are taking this tool into use. And this will all also speed up the development, I think, when it comes to remote collaboration. So people not needing to travel for meetings, meeting colleagues in, in other continent even. So you can, you can have this call and we can also share images, video, and, uh, and, and hopefully in the future we can also share even us in, in a volumetric manner where the sharing is so much easier because we can even move around. Yeah, well, it's definitely a future that I'm uh, looking forward to because, you know, we can't just uh, keep having like very, very static video calls. There has to be some emergence, some some feeling of presence, you know, within, yeah. within this, this yeah. realm of, uh, of multimedia. Interactivity, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, that's a great note to close on. Uh, thank you so much for the work that you're doing at Nokia Technologies to make this all uh, possible. Uh, it sounds, sounds like a very exciting job, so I hope you enjoy it uh, in the future as well. Yes. Yes, definitely, uh, yes. Uh, thank you so much for your time and uh, best thank of you. luck and maybe an Emmy again next year. Okay, yeah, hopefully. Try that, yes. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, bye. And this is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to TechEU Podcast. If you like this show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineering is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. As usual, send them to podcast at tech.eu. I read every email. This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andrew Daler, and I will talk to you again next week. For now, take care and enjoy the weekend. Bye-bye.